Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. We have two guests today, Will Trenens. He's CEO and founder, and Perrin Hendrick. He is COO and founder of Canaflower. And we're going to talk to him about the work that they're doing in the cannabis and the hemp space. Excited about this. I'm always excited about folks that are actually looking at kind of different angles to how to approach the market. I think for so long, we've kind of just seen cannabis as being who can grow the highest THC fastest and cheapest. And as we have all as an industry, I'm, I'm fascinated about companies that are really looking at the product, really looking at brands, really looking at finding kind of targeted niche products to bring to market. So I'm excited for this. So Will, Perrin, welcome to the program. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Bruce. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So I would love to get the story, and I don't know if one of you wants to kind of talk about kind of the forming of the company and what the the background is, but I'd love to hear from both of you in terms of like how you got together, what what were you doing before this, why cannabis? Give us the background. So Will and I, um, we've been friends for about 15 years. Um, we're both what's classically kind of termed as entrepreneurs these days, meaning that we're pretty much unemployable in any other field. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And Will and I, we, he was in the tech industry. He had exited from his company a couple years ago, and I was in the health and wellness industry and had kind of done the same and 
we were both looking for something to do. And, and at that point, our relationship was, was solid enough where we thought maybe we could do something together. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, simultaneously, after running businesses for many years, we had both kind of <laughs> identified that we were prone to certain types of anxiety, mostly the type that lands you in the emergency room at three in the morning, sure that you're having a heart attack. And, <laughs> you know, while that's an extreme case, the, the idea not was that there was this, <laughs> not uncommon. No, yeah. you know, more than you think. You see some familiar faces in there. <laughs> yeah. When the ER rolls their Doctors eyes, doctors know at your you. name. <laughs> you again? They're like, what is look, it this time? we can hook you up, but we're pretty sure everything's fine. <laughs> so you know, we had uh, we had just left our businesses and and we're looking for something to do, but we were also kind of dealing with these personal issues and. For us, cannabis had always been an enjoyable therapeutic thing, but over the years it had changed fairly dramatically. And, you know, our our evolving experience was this kind of, it seems to check all the boxes in terms of everything that we were looking for. We weren't interested in any traditional pharmaceutical drugs. We had tried that. We had tried therapy. And so cannabis seemed to present like a beautiful solution to a lot of the things that we were dealing with. And it seemed to work for a lot of people that we really liked and respected. And again, I'd been using it for years recreationally, but more and more over the years, we've just found that our experiences were less kind of the therapeutic, relaxing, uh, upbeat, enjoyable uh, experiences and more the cosmic horror H.G. Lovecraft, uh, two-dimensional reality that you descend down this, you know, spiral of madness from which eight hours later, if you can return and put the pieces back together, you decide that you're not going to do that again for a while. It wasn't Uh helpful Um, that we only had each other during a lot of these experiences and we were both not (laughs) capable of putting the pieces back together for each other. (laughs) But yeah, the feedback loop there was pretty broken and... um, it was kind of serendipitous, I think, that we had uh, gone through these experiences together because like, oh, okay, there's another sailor on this ocean of darkness and this product, which we both used to really, really enjoy and really found a lot of value in, was increasingly becoming something that we just felt like, okay, maybe maybe it's not for us. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was about the time that we came across a lower THC cannabis that had been cultivated you know, at that time, it was being cultivated basically for biomass. Yeah. The products that we're referring to are more or less, they were grown at the time. This was a couple of years ago to be compliant with the farm bills, first okay. 2014 and then the 2018 farm bill. They had a higher CBD content and a lower THC, and they were being grown specifically for extraction. Yeah. And our introduction to this, process, uh, this product, we kind of came across it and this was at the time where CBD was just blowing up everywhere and everybody was super excited about this, this cannabinoid. But we came across it after trying some of those products and being fairly disappointed, we stumbled upon like the raw flower. And at the time, the flower looked like if you were to take a plant that has these amazing properties and just throw it in the ground and grow it in the worst possible way, the end result would be something that was, you know, not great to look at, smell, experience. But the fact that it had these cannabinoids in it that were largely alternative to what was going on in in mainstream cannabis, our personal experience with it was extremely compelling. We were like, oh my God, if you take this and you treat it like traditional cannabis, this is a product that we feel is right up our alley. And, And we kind of got to a place where we're like, 
this is the answer for us. Potentially, it's the answer for a lot more people than us. Yeah. So I'm curious when you when you say this, throw it in the ground and, and grow it in the worst possible way. Like, was this purely aesthetic, or were you finding that the actual plant properties were not there? Right. I mean, so at the time during you know maybe 2017 season when the CBD industrial you know so industrial hemp became a thing and CBD yeah. extraction was a thing. The only product that was available in the smokable form was really the toppings of industrial grows. So farmers would grow a thousand acres of, of CBD rich hemp. And, you know, this wasn't done very often, but there was this kind of very small niche market of people that were taking those top cuttings, drying it. But it was it was a pretty low quality product from a smokable sense. It didn't have any bag appeal. The terpene profile was not extremely present. Typically was dried improperly, wasn't cured, wasn't trimmed. Yeah. So in 2018, we we had I purchased a farm in Western Mass after after my experience in, in, in tech, and we're just looking for interesting crops that we could create kind of a sustainable ecosystem here for for us and our family. And so we were exploring hemp. And we, we bumped into some growers up in northern Vermont, and we asked them if they wouldn't mind growing some product, like a traditional cannabis product. Um, yeah. And so, you know, long story short, we went up, we bought it. It was this interesting scenario where, you know, intellectually, we know what we're doing is totally <laughs> in the clear. Uh, practically, though, this looks a lot like a backroom drug deal. <laughs> like, this, <laughs> I mean, you know, it very I mean, much like, Visually, you, could not, right. you visually like, cannot tell the difference between a right. hemp product I mean, and, a, and a marijuana when product. It's, right. Yeah. You know, when it's trimmed and, um, you know, cured properly and it, it smells and tastes and feels exactly like traditional cannabis, yeah. you know, and, and while they grew hundreds of acres of this, the fact that it's now, you know, not mulched up into biomass super sacks, but sitting there yeah. in pristine flower form, mm -hmm. you know, there was a lot, there was a lot of head scratching. So we, we purchased the product and, and using my background in technology was able to get an e-com site up and running pretty quick. And just to kind of test the market to see if there was some interest. And on, you know, for instance, on Reddit, there was a, a small but growing community of people that were purchasing this product and also seeing the therapeutic benefits that we were seeing, um, as well as, the, you know, just the recreational benefits of kind of a, a lower high or a medium high <laughs> version of cannabis. Mm -hmm. And so we promoted on there and very quickly discovered that there's this very vibrant but small marketplace. Um, and so really from then, I mean, it's been a lot of the same. It's But we've been growing our own product. We've uh, recently just commissioned our own indoor growth facility for this and working with small farms and bringing in product from all over the country to be able to deliver to our customers all over the country. So I think that, you know, yeah. where we see this going and, you know, where we started in the CBD space, you know, we really see that as one small segment of the entire cannabis spectrum. And so, you know, where we live is in this low THC side as well that can also encompass other cannabinoids. So CBD being one, we also sell a high CBG strain. Uh, we're working with geneticists and farmers on the new strains coming out that are going to be um, high percentages of CBN and THCV. So we really see that there's this larger market that 
uh, or larger spectrum that exists within the cannabis space. And that's kind of where we, we see as home. And, and so that's really what we've been doing, kind of rinse, repeat for the last two years is just trying to keep up the pace of the demand as it's been exploding. You know, when we started the market size, I think was, well, when we started, it was very close to zero. And I think Nielsen's estimated last year or 2020 is going to be something like $80 million in, in smokable hemp mm-hmm. sales. And in the next four years, it's to potentially get up to $400 million. So we see this really at the early, early stages of, of this product. And I think, you know, from our perspective, the challenge is around just education that I think a lot of people yeah. in the traditional cannabis space don't know that this exists. And definitely people that aren't in the traditional cannabis space that have been turned away, you know, similarly to, I think, in, to our experience, might want to know that a product like this exists. Yeah. Is this, I guess, tell me a little bit about the the experiential side of it, because I've, you know, I've certainly, I've had a lot of CBD products. I haven't done any smokable hemp, low THC smokable hemp kind of products. What is the experiential difference? I mean, give, give us a sense of how the sort of the effects, the body effects are, you know, smoking this kind of product versus a high THC product. Yeah. I mean, that's for us, you know, I think that it exists on a spectrum, right? And for us, we're on one end of the spectrum where we're just like, this is the perfect amount, essentially a microdose of THC, all these rich terpenes and the other cannabinoids that the that the whole flower contains. And the effects for us are very similar to what they used to be and to kind of allegorical to, to most cannabis consumers' experiences in that there is a general relaxation, mm-hmm. one in which you know, it kind of settles everything down. You you just take the running mind kind of out of the equation. The body becomes relaxed. A lot of times, depending on the strain, you have you have these therapeutic effects physically where pain seems to unwind. A lot of times there's an uplifting feeling. I mean, you can you can kind of uh, there's a lot of analogous stuff with just regular higher THC varietals where your indicas or your sativas are going to kind of give you a a different overall effect, whether you're looking to kind of unwind or ramp up. But in general, we find that the big things are it alleviates anxiety, kind of reduces inflammation systemically. And it's not that you don't feel the effect of the THC. You absolutely do. Uh, But it's probably for us a much more controlled experience and something that what had become increasingly uncomfortable for us was just we would rocket past the place that we were looking to be yeah. and then it would be cancel all plans for the next 12 hours we need to curl up on the couch in a fetal position yeah. and yeah. watch blue planet because yeah. we're incapable of doing anything else yeah yeah that's the extent of our capacity and i think this product is more like oh i can hang out with my family i can be present i can you know appreciate the fact that you know the people around me and um and and get stuff done so it's kind of perfect in that respect and we have you know within our company we have we have a lot of the folks come from a traditional cannabis background and there's everything from people who are occasional smokers to you know folks that just literally can't get enough thc on any given day and they absolutely (laughs) love everything about it but even within those demographics we find that they really appreciate this product, especially when we kind of talked to what Will was touching upon earlier, where it's like, if this is a product that you cultivate, dry, process, manicure, and cure, just like you would a high-grade medical cannabis product, 
it's an extremely compelling product that that kind of is analogous to what I say like a light beer is to, to alcohol even though that's not a that's not an analogy we love to use but it's it's an easy way to convey to people this is um it's just the right amount for a lot yeah. of folks well now and in, in, in order to qualify under the farm bill you've got to be below 0.3 percent thc and i know there's some been talk about trying to there's been some efforts to try to change that to one percent for various reasons but i mean do you do you see this as really being is 0.3 percent our magic number is it just low do you like if you had the choice would you be dealing with like things in these kind of low single digit percentages or how like where do you see kind of the balance or the ranges that you could be playing with when you're dealing with when, when you're not primarily concerned about just high thc content but rather you know, a blend of different cannabinoids and, and where do you see some of these numbers dialing in at or where do you see the opportunities? I think that there's some challenge just around it's unnecessarily and arbitrarily low. Our argument wouldn't yeah. be that it should be significantly higher, but hitting a 0.3, so it's 0.3 delta 9 for for what's enforced and for pre-harvest testing, it's 0.3 total, right? So it's it's already a little bit confusing. What's a little bit frustrating is that if it were 0.4 or 0.5, uh, I think things would be significantly easier. Um, so I think it's definitely workable. I don't. I think it's challenging more for from the the farmer's perspective, you know, and simply because. They, I think it just adds undue stress and risk where they have a product where through no fault of their own, um, the product tested at 0.4 and all of a sudden the product yeah. needs to be destroyed. You know, I don't, yeah. I, and I, I think at the essence of what the test should be is, is this a cannabis product in, in, in a traditional, you know, this, should it go through the same regulations as a traditional cans product state by state. And so I think that the test is if it's under 1%, I think it should pass that test. But yeah, I think the point, like the specifics around 0.3, the origins of that are pretty arbitrary. The yeah. echoing of that state by state by state is pretty arbitrary. And it's just, it's a magic number that's kind of frustrating and, and, and it's just not ideal. That being said, you know, it sets a, a pretty high bar for geneticists, but it seems to be something that they're able to jump over. I think we'd see more cannabinoid-specific strains today, for instance, focusing on CBN, THCV, et cetera, um, mm-hmm. had that bar been a little bit high, you know, lower to be able to hit, right? If it was 0.4, yeah. 0.5, I think that we would see those strains today. And I think it's a huge missed opportunity simply because I believe that the world of cannabis and its exploration and being able to consume a product that, for instance, in a traditional cannabis product at a dispensary has CBN at a very low percentage. I think it's very interesting if that cannabinoid is presented at 4% or 5% or 10%. percent. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, it's a little bit disappointing, but it's something that we've learned to work around. And, and I think uh, I don't anticipate it changing anytime soon. I would welcome the change, but uh, it's something that we, we certainly have l- learned to live with. Yeah kind of part of the system at this point. And where are we with genetics? I mean, uh, you know, on the on the marijuana side, the THC side, we have, we, you know, vast libraries and, you know, databases and, you know, people c- coming up with all sorts of hybrids and everything. I mean, uh, what do we have in terms of low THC uh, genetics at this point? I think what we're seeing is that because of the smokable market as, you know, two years ago, it didn't exist. So pre-two years ago, there was not really an incentive to create a high terpene-rich high bag appeal product you're trying Mm -hmm. to create a disease resistant high yield 
high CBD product. Um, with the advent of, of, of smokable flour, we're seeing a huge growth in the amount of strains available that are coming to market. Now, like I said before, I'm interested in, in seeing what the future holds for different cannabinoid isolations. But what we're seeing for, you know, every year, really every six months, just the leveling up that's occurring within the strain availability within within this low THC and federally compliant product is pretty staggering. And I think it's, it's, it's entirely brought about because there's now a market for it. And as that market continues to grow, we're just going to see you know, more and more choices. I'm curious from a business operations point of view, and, and you mentioned this in the beginning, which is like you grow this plant and you trim it up. I mean, it, there's there's no ability to tell how much THC is in there, <laughs> and you're legal, uh, you know, and you can cross state lines and you can sell it, you know, how you need to sell it. But where, uh, how have you kind of navigated this? The fact that you know, from the outside, like if you if you're walking around with a uh, you know a ten pound bag of this stuff, it would be it would could be awkward. <laughs> like wh- how how has this come up and how have you dealt with it? Yeah, so I mean, I think that that speaks to the point of at once what is most compelling about this product is that it is essentially no different, uh, you know, in outward appearance in terms of the the way it presents than than a traditional cannabis product. But also it's a huge challenge. I I don't, uh, we have tried to remain as nimble as possible and respond to kind of the market, but it's it's led to kind of a, a whole internal regulation that we try and make sure we adhere to and that we need part of this, a big part of this is education about the product. It's like this from an outward perspective, it looks absolutely, there's zero difference mm-hmm. with regular cannabis. So how do you make sure that you're presenting this product in a way that allows people to discern it? And we're constantly learning. I mean, a lot of it has to do with the packaging. A lot of it has to do with how we try and educate our consumers. But we're running into things all the time. I mean, because states have different regulations. It's a yep. federally legal product. But a lot of the regulations seem to be fairly arbitrary. And so we have to kind of at once keep in mind that we have all the boxes checked in terms of our compliance and then making sure that we are supporting and educating and and protecting our consumers as much as possible. I mean, this industry changes daily. Um, So we're constantly kind of updating things to ensure that there is at once, I mean, our challenge is make sure people know the difference, but also kind of make sure people understand that there's really, it's the same product. It's a product where we've chosen to focus on different cannabinoids, but there is a lot of crossover and and really a lot of the best stuff kind of translates to these low THC products. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned that you're selling most of this stuff online. I I don't know how much of this has been sort of driven by COVID and, and, you know, how people's kind of purchasing behaviors have shifted, but how do you see these channels being developed? Is it, are you looking at primarily online business? Have you thought about, you know, selling through retail channels? What's been the thinking strategy? Give us some insights. Well, we were always looking at direct to consumer model, uh, online and actually (laughs) due to some fairly, uh, you know, profound missteps early on where we would run into things like getting everything up and running and then lose our merchant processing. (laughs) Uh, We would lose our our point of sale, like just constantly having to navigate these these unique challenges. We kind of realized that there was probably good for us to diversify a little bit and create a B2B model or a business to business where we created a wholesale wing. And we've seen that develop 
you know, pre-COVID, that was a it was a fairly linear chart where the more focus we put on those direct to consumer or the the channels with the business, they would respond kind of pretty much anybody that we got this in their hands, they they would respond really well and really favorably. Mm-hmm. Now, what we saw with COVID, like a lot of online businesses, was the wholesale side of it you know, was almost immediately affected where a lot of these brick and mortar businesses that we have relationships with, they just, you know, couldn't open their doors or people weren't coming in. Conversely, the direct to consumer online model, which we really tried to focus on and really tried to set everything up to make sure that the experience there is one where people feel safe. They feel like, you know, there's full transparency. They can talk to our customer service. We really just tried to be a really customer focused business and that took a, a big, you know, upswing. And so, you know, I think if you separate COVID out of it, we exist in kind of both of those verticals. But for us, the, the direct-to-consumer model has a lot of appeal because we can just control every aspect of the experience. And really, our mission is just to delight our customers. We want to share with them, like, what we experienced when we tried this product. We're like, mm-hmm. this is it. This is This is amazing. You know, and I think there's a huge market out there for people who are fans of of traditional cannabis to kind of realize that there's an alternative where it doesn't always have to be this product that is 15, 20% THC, where they can kind of just kick back with their friends and, and, and this low THC flower kind of provides a perfect fit for those folks. So... Well, I mean, to answer your question, basically, we we're fairly aggressive these days on both the whole ta- the wholesale and the, and the retail front. But our focus and mission as a company has always been a direct connection with the consumer from from the yeah. farm to the, the consumer. In an ideal situation, we're able to make sure every aspect of that experience is really just top notch. Yeah. And how from a building the brand point of view, what have been sort of the key elements for you in terms of you know, beyond just the sort of the idea of having a low THC smokable flower, like what what else has gone into kind of building your brand and communicating your brand, you know, to your target audience? So I think uh, being early in this game really allowed us to set the stage for, for instance, testing and compliance, making sure that all the way from the the point of origin to the point of sale that the product that we're selling is we've talked about this earlier is compliant right um providing certificates of analysis with each with each product so i think our avenue we've taken is really creating a comfortable experience for some for someone purchasing a product that they didn't i guess that they're unaware of and that purchasing a product that for instance if that state they live in doesn't have medical or recreational cannabis that they are comfortable purchasing our product and they they know that it's going to be delivered safely and that the product that they're purchasing is it's a legal purchase. So I think that, that a lot of work has gone into that as well as building a robust customer service team to be able to answer those kinds of questions. So I think really it's it's presented a lot of unique challenges in that entering, you know, starting a company around any new product I think is challenging, but starting a pro- entering a, yeah. a, a an industry where the product has a, a lot of ancillary 
regulations or concerns or questions is ever more challenging. So I think we've, we've spent a lot of time on that in the last two years. And operationally, you're, you're still growing everything in Massachusetts at this point, or what's, I guess, what's your current operational setup and what, how do you envision that kind of expanding and growing over time? So I think I w- it changes kind of depending on harvest season and, and, and the breakdown of indoor and, and outdoor um, product. But I think we're bringing in 60 to 70% of the product from, from farms that we've been working with for the last two years that grow specifically for us. As, and then we grow both indoor and outdoor and, and supplement that in our inventory. Yeah, we just find that because of the quality of the product, you can't. our particular model doesn't allow us to grow enough and keep the same quality. So it's kind of evolved naturally where we seek out you know, the, these artisanal growers that a lot of them come from a traditional cannabis background mm-hmm. and you know we have a we have a long process but at the end of it it kind of nets out to like can you grow this to a level that anybody would be impressed by it whether they knew it was low THC or not yeah and so we find those those partners and we we kind of just make sure that there's an education both ways of course and we just make sure that they're fully compliant and we try and develop relationships simply because I don't think our model is ever going to allow for us, and nor do we really want it to, where we are fully uh, vertically integrated. Yeah. I think that there's enough exciting stuff because the genetics are so new that people are doing some really interesting things with isolating phenotypes. And we just love to go out and explore what's out there. And, um, you know, we're dealing with the top 0.5% or less of of growers but when we find a really good partner it's really exciting for us to discover something new yeah, i'm sure and, and if i were to give you a magic wand and change one thing about the industry right now what would you change and why would you change it Will, i think probably the the point three i mean i think that that would yeah. that's really providing a lot of throttle or throttling the development of what i think would be a whole new range of cannabinoid isolation and and it would i think just speed up the development as well you know you can get genetics that produce very very low thc and and they could be extremely interesting and distinct but they might produce 0.5 and if you can't get it below 0.3 it's not worth anything yeah exactly just you're off market then i mean i would i would add to that that like i would if I could wave a wand, I would... Uh, <laughs> I'll give you each one. It's okay. Right. There we go. We got two wands. I would say that it would be really compelling to, to see the traditional cannabis market open up to the idea that maybe yeah. THC isn't the only metric for measuring the quality of a flower, of a grow. I think there's a lot of opportunity and it's really compelling. The future of cannabis can be this dynamic... I mean, this is we're talking about an amazing plant with a lot to offer. And for a long time, because of essentially a prohibition you you have a singular focus on one particular cannabinoid whereas this is probably a plant that has a lot more to offer and if we can kind of really embrace that and open up to the idea that maybe quality isn't synonymous with with the levels of thc there's just a a big opportunity for for thinking about this whole thing in a different way right there's yeah. a wide variety of experiences to be had yeah no it's it's, it's fascinating one like i said it's it's i haven't really had a, little, a whole lot of experience on this side of it so it's fun to talk to the folks that clearly are, this has been your your jam and and something you've really kind of spent a lot of time on and built a business around so it's uh it's an interesting part of the, the area it's been a pleasure what if people want to find out more about you about cannaflower what's the best way to get the information uh, they can head to cannaflower.com and check us out there we have a full website we we mail all of our products to all 50 states full customer support there they can ask us any questions 
you know, we try and be as accessible as possible there. And so canaflower.com is the best place to go check us out. Excellent. I'll make sure the links are in the show notes so that people can get through and, and get that. Well, Parent, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Bruce. It's been wonderful talking to you. Thanks for having us. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.